You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. strange familiars if you've seen something strange like a cryptid a ghost ufo and you want to tell your story on the podcast you can email us strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com we're always looking for new stories i just returned from a trip to a ruined ghost town with chad over the weekend uh, didn't get much sleep it was very very intense We're still processing everything that happened, and I'm still processing hours and hours of on-site audio, and we're still getting sort of ripples of synchronicity. So I'm going to take my time to put together the show that talks about that experience, but it is coming. It was a pretty scary experience, and we're definitely going back, so I think we have a new place to explore here. Unfortunately, it's about two hours away. It's not as close as Site 7, so we're not going to be able to get there as often. But we're definitely going back. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking with Sarah, who has some really kind of scary experiences with hauntings and a Ouija board and some other kind of dark entities. Before we talk with Sarah, I did want to mention we had some issues with our old podcast host. They promised unmetered bandwidth and apparently we were using so much bandwidth that they said it went beyond their fair use. They tried to force us to go to another plan, but they still wouldn't guarantee we'd have truly unlimited bandwidth. A lot of the shows were getting cut off, and they were looping and repeating, or they were being abbreviated. People were saying that some shows were like two minutes long or nine minutes long. So there was a lot of problems caused by our last podcast host. We've since moved and our new host has been fantastic. Red Circle's awesome. They fixed all of those problems for me. I thought for sure I'd have to upload every episode individually again, and 
They just took care of it all and fixed it for me. However, some of the episodes came over from our other host in chopped up or abbreviated forms. I think we've corrected them all. If you're listening to any of the old episodes and you run into any that seem messed up or abbreviated or skip around or loop or have any of those quirky problems that we were getting at our old host, please let me know so we can fix the problem. StrangeFamiliars.com is moving right now. We're going to a new website. The website will probably be incomplete for a while as I work on it. This is a one-man show. Everything you hear other than the voices that aren't mine is done by me. We don't have a production team. We don't have an art department. We don't have any of that stuff. It's all just me. I'm doing all the editing, everything, and also the website. So it's going to take me a bit to get it back up and running and get everything on there, but we will have a new website. StrangeFamiliars.com will be our permanent home. Thanks for sticking with us through all the little bumps that moving the podcast has caused. Hopefully we'll get everything settled back to normal and get back in the groove of things here any day now. So let's go to my interview with Sarah. We're talking with Sarah, who's going to tell us some stories about some Ouija boards and a possible haunting. And you've got some other stories to go with it, don't you? Yeah, I've got another one that might be connected to it. So the one that's connected, does that happen before the other stuff? It kind of happens like right in the middle of it. Okay, um, so, so what's the way that it makes most sense to tell the story? Well, the haunting at my friend's house started, and then we actually took a trip to a haunted location, and it seems like it may have made things at the house a little bit worse. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So you want to start with your friend's house and then we'll bounce around, I guess. Yeah. It was about eight years ago. I was pretty much fresh out of high school. And our friend, well, my friend, his aunt had passed away in the house of a drug overdose. And his parents weren't living there. So it was just a bunch of teenagers kind of taking run of the house. Yeah, I knew a house like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Um, we kept it going, though. We noticed that weird, little weird things were happening. The burners in the kitchen on the stove would turn on when nobody was in there. Uh, we'd shut them off, go back a couple minutes later, and the burner would be back on. Uh, there was a time when somebody made a rude comment in the living room and from across the room, the TV remote flew off the end table and actually hit him in the leg. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the room that my friend's aunt had died in was always cold. It was freezing, and there was maybe about 40 degrees. And my friend, uh, his name is Moose, his, that was his bedroom now. So, you know, we'd hang out in there, and it'd be super cold, go out the door. The rest of the house is like 70 degrees. So it was just little strange things like that. He and his sister, Cece, both believed that their aunt, Kimmy, was the one haunting the house, and it wasn't anything harmful. And then Moose and I had gotten together on Halloween. It was a full moon, Halloween. We were hanging out at a park, just sitting in the car talking, 
and I kept getting a sort of uneasy feeling and one of the little kids toys it was like a horse on a spring and they rock back and forth and I'd look out the windshield of the car and this little horse would be rocking with nothing on it the one next to it wasn't moving it didn't make any sense like a playground horse yeah so they have big springs it's not like a little toy these are I know what you're talking about I'm just trying to explain it like it's a big heavy spring it's nothing that a gentle breeze is going to blow no, these are one of the things you have to sit on and really rock your body right. to get it going. Right, yeah. So I kind of told him, I was like, well, I have this weird feeling. Let's get out of here. We got a hold of my friend Josh, and we actually went up to a place called the Paulding Light, which I don't know if you've heard of that. But I have. It's... Yeah, I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's um, supposedly an old railroad that the caboose, can, or caboose man died on the railroad and you can see his lantern so when you drive up to it it's just a dirt road that stops at a guardrail and past the guardrail there's like a ravine and there's a little stream that goes through there and then it goes up another hill and you look at the top of the other hill and the light shows up well i've been up there plenty of times you know throughout high school and always being into the paranormal kind of stuff we'd go up there but this time it felt weird I got out of the car, and we were standing in front of the car, and I'd always heard stories that you don't go into the woods to the right. Bad things are in the woods to the right. Every other time I'd been up there, never felt anything strange other than just general dark creepiness. This time, I kept seeing out of the corner of my eye shadows moving to my right, and I felt really, really uneasy. So I convinced Josh and Moose that I needed to leave. I sat in the car. I was like, I'm not okay. Josh got in the in the driver's seat, and Moose kind of stood in front of that guardrail for a minute and looked over the guardrail. We yelled at him to get back in the car, and he comes back, opens the rear driver's side door, goes to get in, and at the same time he took a step in the car, my friend Josh slammed against the window really hard. And Josh was a bigger guy, you know, tall, stocky. And I thought it was just, you know, the movement of the car. And we got a couple of miles down the road and Josh was complaining that his arm was burning. So we pulled over in a parking lot, lifted up his shirt sleeve, and there was a handprint that went from just off the bottom of his neck on his shoulder down his upper arm. It had to be about 10 inches long from bottom of the palm to the fingertips. And the finger marks, there was four very clear finger marks and the outside of the palm print was pretty clear. But the finger marks were bright red and he said they were burning and you could actually touch them and they were very hot to the touch on his skin. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And he was driving the car and he was driving a manual so it was his right hand and his arm was hurting so we were a little worried. We started driving back home. It's about an hour drive home. And a little ways down the road, Josh was still complaining about his arm hurting and his hand was twitching kind of funny. I looked at his hand and his fingers were like, it's hard to explain. They were moving in the sort of way that those monsters in Japanese horror movies move, kind of like not fluid, but real jerky movements. Mm -hmm. 
and his fingers were actually bending backwards, looking like they were going to break. He was in a lot of pain. We had to pull over. We didn't know what to do. And nothing like this had ever happened from going to the Paulding Light from anything I'd ever heard from all the people I know that have been there. So Moose is a Native American, and from what I was told, he was born to be a medicine man. And he had a lot more, I guess, more power behind his prayers. He was more connected to, like, the Great Spirit and stuff like that. So Moose started to pray over Josh's hand in hopes to make it go away or tell whatever was causing this to stop. And Moose got was, like, middle of sentence praying, and he passed out in the back seat of the car. Moose passed and, out. Yeah. Passed out, flopped sideways behind me, behind the passenger seat, and I was sufficiently freaked out at this point. I guess um, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I reached back there to kind of shake him, and the seat behind me where Moose's head was was ice cold, just freezing. And I'm shaking him, shaking him, yelling. I'm like, wake up, wake up. And he wouldn't wake up. So we kept driving, just hoping we'd get back to town, hoping we'd get someone to help us. And all of a sudden, Moose wakes up in the back seat and just sits up and has this blank look on his face. Scared the crap out of me, to be honest, because I didn't expect him to just sit up out of the dark. So this is all the same Halloween night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So And it was kind of like set the mood that it was Halloween, it was a full moon, it was dark and creepy out. So and it was just a perfect night for strange things to happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it, uh, yeah. So we're speeding back on back roads that nobody has any business going over 45 on, trying to get back to Moose's house so we can get sage and kind of like cleanse, try to cleanse everybody and get rid of this spirit. And Moose noticed that the seat next to him was cold and he started praying again. And he kept praying, kept praying. The seat never really warmed up, but he didn't pass out again. And we got back to his house. We go inside and Josh's hand was still twitching not as bad as it was. Like, it didn't look like his fingers were going to snap, but it was still twitching. His arm was still hurting. Uh, he told us that it was like he didn't have any control over his hand, that something was making his hand move. He'd try to clench a fist, and his fingers would break free and start bending backwards again. So Moose tried to pray over him one more time, and we were inside the house at this point in the living room, and... They were sitting next to each other on a sectional couch, and Moose was on the end that didn't have an arm on it. He was praying over Josh's hand, and he passed out again and actually fell off the couch onto the floor. After maybe a minute or two, he woke up and said that something had followed us back from the Paulding Light. It did not belong there. It was a spirit that just happened to be there. And it wanted to hurt us. That was kind of the end of that. Josh and I left, you know, freaked at that point. (laughs) 
so we left, kind of kept going on about our business, and that was when things in Moose's house kind of took a little bit of a creepier turn. Not just, oh, Aunt Kimmy is haunting us, more of there's something else here. Mm-hmm. So we noticed that Moose's sister, Cece, would fall asleep at really random times, just all throughout the day, just pass out for a little while. And we didn't really know what to think of it. Nobody was really sure. We were all between the ages of like 15 and 19. And one day somebody had realized that her hand was moving while she was sleeping. And so they put a pen in her hand and gave her a paper and she started writing out words and sentences saying that this was Kimmy and she was watching over Cece, making sure that she was okay. And Kimmy told us that Cece had a heart issue, which was causing her to pass out somehow. Hmm. Well, a little while later, I don't know, a couple months maybe, we were talking to Cece and Kimmy while she was passed out, because we'd have conversations with Kimmy, and... and um, Kimmy would answer all these questions that Cece didn't know the answers to and couldn't respond to. She was she was dead asleep. Now she was they, answering via writing. Yeah, yeah, via writing on paper. We had like a notebook full of conversations between us and their aunt Kimmy. Wow. So uh, not to interrupt your story, I'm just incredibly curious about this. So she's <laughs> she's literally passed out or asleep at this point. Yeah, yeah, like you could touch her, push her, like we've checked to see if she was awake and faking it at the start, and you know, you'd like push her and she'd just collapse onto the floor, uh, snap, you know, in her, and she'd never react, lift her eyelids up, her eyes wouldn't register anything, like they were just like white, she was Was totally out. Was there any point where she was writing where she wasn't even like facing the notebook at all, you know what I mean, like looking in another direction, or... Usually, yeah. Wow. Usually. And, like, the writing wasn't on the lines. It was just kind of whichever way you put the paper. Uh-huh. CC would usually be kind of, like, hunched over, head totally down, and, um, like, usually face down or, you know, face one direction, and her arm would be out writing on a paper, like, fully extended or off at some angle, just however she fell asleep. Did you know CeCe's handwriting? I didn't. But this was kind of just like really chicken scratchy handwriting. It mm-hmm. looked like messy boy handwriting. Mm-hmm. So I can't say for sure if it wasn't her handwriting or not. I was just curious. It's very, very yeah. interesting. Like this this whole aspect, I mean, this the whole story is interesting, but this particular aspect is very, very interesting to me. It was weird, but it was kind of cool in the part that like we got to talk to their aunt who, you know, she'd constantly tell us, like, tell Cece when she wakes up that I love her and I'm taking care of her. She'd, like, tell Moose that I love him. She'd tell us things like dinner's almost done or who was at the door. There was a time I got there and I had called prior to showing up and my name was actually on the top of the paper in big letters and I guess they had asked her who was calling and she answered, and whoever's phone was going off was in the other room. She answered my name at the top of the paper. Hmm. So it was strange, but it was okay. Like, it wasn't creepy. Well, 
Kimmy started to tell us that there was a bad man in the house and he wanted to hurt her because she was weak from her heart issue and that hurt she, Cece. Yep, she he wanted to hurt Cece because she was sick somehow. And she told us that she was protecting her so the other spirit couldn't take over her body while she was asleep that she was basically trying to keep her as safe as she could. And I don't know, people started acting a little bit differently, I guess. There were more arguments and fights and a little bit of, like, bad energy sometimes after that. More than usual, like, teenage spats. Mm-hmm. And there was one night our friend Alex and I were in Cece's bedroom. We were all talking. Cece was on her bed and in the conversation middle of the conversation she fell asleep again so we're like okay we'll talk to kimmy so we got the paper and the pencil started talking to her and after a couple of minutes kimmy said the bad man is in the room and i was a little creeped out i kind of felt like i knew the rules of how to interact with the dead i guess because When I was little, I wanted to be a ghost hunter, and I'd always been told that the dead could not defy the living. So basically, if you told them to leave, they had to leave if it was just a ghost. So I told him, you know, I said out loud in the room, I was like, you need to leave. You're not welcome here. You know, you have to go. And Kimmy would tell us, you know, he's not listening. He won't leave. He wants to talk to you. And Alex and I very forcefully refused, telling him, we're not talking to you, you need to go. And um, Kimmy told us that he wanted to play a game with us, and we refused. As we were refusing, you know, repeatedly, because he kept pressing, and Kimmy kept telling us that he wants to play, he wants to play, uh, Cece started to lift off of the bed. She was kind of laying down, her torso was a little bit slumped off the edge of the bed, and the pen and paper was on the floor. And I noticed that Cece was lifting, and the bling... I'm sorry, you cut out just a second. What was moving upwards? Cece was moving upwards off of the bed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's Uh, levitating at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) I never thought I would see that. And I pointed it out to Alex. I was like, Alex, she's moving, like jump on her. So we both put our full body weight on top of Cece to try to hold her down. And she kept lifting. I was on my knees on the floor, you know, kind of lay with laying with my torso over the bed, over the top of Cece. And my knees were coming up off the floor. I felt my legs extending. And then I felt myself sliding to the right And I looked to my right, and the blankets were actually kind of balled up at the end of the bed. It looked like there was an invisible fist holding the blankets, and it was pulling the blankets off of her and pulling me and Alex off of her with the blankets. And Alex and I were screaming for it to stop and for it to go away, and it actually dropped all three of us at once. And we kind of bounced off the bed and took a second to collect ourselves. And I told Alex, I'm like, we have to get rid of this thing. 
you know, we somehow have to get rid of this spirit. We can't let it near her. We can't let it near any of us, but don't talk to it. Cause I, I just felt like if you talk to it, you gave it some sort of importance and it would somehow become more powerful than it was. So I didn't want to fully acknowledge it and just like start a conversation with it. So we put the pen back in Cece's hand when we noticed her hand start going again. And she started writing, well, Kimmy started writing that he wanted to play the game and he would leave if we played the game with him. I still wasn't convinced that I wanted to play this game because I didn't know what would happen. I didn't want my friend to get hurt. I didn't know if he was going to kill her or what. I was just really scared. Did this entity explain what the game was at any point or does that come later? It kind of comes later. Okay. We, we finally caved and agreed to play. And what Kimmy said was that it wanted us to leave the room for one minute and it would leave Cece alone for a little while. Alex wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> he was like, I'm not going. I'm staying right here. I'm not leaving my friend. I told him, I was like, let's just see what happens. You know, we just got to wait outside the door. I didn't want to leave my friend either, but I didn't want this thing to stick around. So I was hoping that maybe it would go away. So Cece's bed was kind of in the opposite kitty corner of the room from the door. Mm-hmm. So, so we walked across the room, set a stopwatch on our phone, and I, I think I had my phone out while Alex closed the door. And when we closed the door, Cece was covered in blankets and the lights were on. The room was fairly clean. There was some stuff in boxes, but it was neat. We just peeked through the crack of the door as we closed it really slowly, just kind of like we were thinking, like, is this the right decision? Should we really be doing this right now? And as soon as the door latched, I pressed start on the stopwatch and the light shut off from inside the room. Well, it was about a 10, 12 foot span from her bed to the light switch. There's no way she could have made it in the half a second it took us to latch the door because we were watching her as we closed it. Well, the light shut off and all of a sudden it sounded like a tornado was going through that room. You could hear things flying through the air, bouncing off the walls. There was just crashing coming from this room. And Alex and I are standing at the door, shaking, terrified, because we were afraid she was going to get hurt. And finally, I was just had my eyes on the stopwatch, watching like 58, 59, 60, and we threw the door open, flipped the light on as fast as we could, And as soon as the light turned on, Cece started screaming in the other corner of the room, ran over to her. She was still on the bed. Things were everywhere. The floor was littered with clothes and books and furniture, like lamps and drawers from dressers. And she was just screaming and shaking. And we held on to her and she didn't know what happened. She just woke up terrified. And Alex and I were probably just about as scared as she was because we actually knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. You know, we just tried to calm her down. 
you know, it's okay, everything will be all right. You know, we had told her about this bad spirit in the house, and I think we told her that, you know, he's going to be gone for a little while, it's okay, we're here, you know, Kimmy's here, we're going to protect you, we're not going to let anything hurt you. I just remember her sobbing. I've never seen someone so scared in my life. Let me try to put on the skeptic's hat, and it doesn't fit me very well, but... but, The amount of damage and stuff thrown around the room, if you were to remove yourself from the situation and think, you know, maybe Cece was trying to play a prank here. And I'm not saying that's what I'm just saying, like, do you think she could have done that much damage in a minute herself? I don't think we could have. She could have done that much damage without us hearing her run around the room. Move around and stuff. Yeah. And she seemed to be in this same... She was back in bed, in other words. We're still in bed. Yeah. When and she was still door. covered in blankets. Mm-hmm. You know, just how we left her. She was just sitting up. <laughs> was the only difference. So she would have had um, to jump out of bed, turn off the light, run around the room, do all this yeah. stuff, and then jump back in bed, get yep. in the same position. And yeah, that's a lot for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And somehow jump out of bed and get to the light switch in the half a second it took us to latch the door. Yeah, that part is... I mean, the, the, all the stuff thrown around is a big part, too. But the, the light turning off immediately, she would have had to be right on your heels. Yep. And, yeah. I mean, we watched her as we closed the door. We knew she was still there, still asleep. Mm-hmm. And, like, before we had left, Kimmy had told us, she's like, I'll keep her safe. I'll do my best. You know, I'll stay with her. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what exactly it the bad man wanted. I don't know like what his end game was with making us leave the room or why he decided that that's what we had to do but things quieted down a little bit for a while cc would still fall asleep still write messages to us from kimmy moose didn't really want a whole lot to do with it he kind of checked himself out of it he was a little strange about this whole medicine man thing of him being like being born to be a medicine man, I guess. Um, so he stayed away from a lot of any of the activity. He just kind of kept to himself in his room, which was really out of character for him because he was usually a social butterfly. And when we try to talk to him about what was going on, he didn't want anything to do with it. He was like, mm-hmm. nope, just leave me out of it. Just la- handle it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so... A little while later, I don't exactly know the time frame, I had gone out and bought a um, glow-in-the-dark Ouija board from our little five-and-dime in town. And I was like, hey, it's so cool. I got a Ouija board. I didn't intend on using it. I had used one with my mom before, and it didn't really sit very well with me. And I've heard so many horror stories of opening doorways to things that you don't know what they are Mm -hmm. so i was telling them like yeah i got one you know i'm just kind of keep it i guess and someone was like hey bring it over you know we can use it here and see if it works and they talked me into it and i brought it over one day and it was kind of like late evening it was dark out when we did it we charged it up under the light and everything and I was sitting with a couple of my friends on the couch. So I'm on the couch with Cece and our friend Russell and our friend Danae. And Alex was there too, but he wasn't using the board. 
And I don't think Cece even had her hands on the board. I think it was just me and Russell and Danae. We were using it and, you know, kind of just put our hands on it. If there's anybody here, Penny, please tell us who you are. And it very quickly spelled out Kimmy. And so we were like, you know, why are you here? And she, like, she started to spell out family. It was like F-A-M-I. And then, like, the middle of the word, it went very quickly to goodbye. Just shut down. You know, we tried to get her to talk again and nothing. So it was a pretty short little Ouija board session. And uh, Alex got up to go across the living room and turned on a lamp that was by the stairs. It was like a split, split level house. And down the little stairways, all the bedrooms and the other bathroom was down there. He turned on the light and Cece was to my left and she screamed Kimmy and took off running down those little stairs and back towards the bedrooms. We didn't know what the heck was going on. Russell took his hands off the board. I took my hands off the board and Danae was the last one touching the Ouija board. As soon as I lifted my fingers off, Danae kind of flopped over and started to shake. We'll get back to the rest of my interview with Sarah in a moment. I do want to mention that Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. Without our patrons, we could not make Strange Familiars. If you like Strange Familiars, if you like what we do, and you want to help us continue to make the program, please consider becoming a patron at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Every month we do at least one full extra episode for our patrons. Often we do more than that. But we guarantee one full extra episode of Strange Familiars for our patrons. We try to give them other content and offers besides that. You can check out all the ways to support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Another way you can help is to leave nice five-star reviews wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever it is, and make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. 
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. We thought maybe she's playing a prank on us. You know, shake her. Hey, Danae, what's wrong? You know, thought she was just trying to scare us. <clears throat> well, she wasn't responding. And she started to shake pretty violently. And we started to notice there was gurgling coming from her mouth. Like she was kind of like choking. And then it kind of just, the shaking got worse and worse. And it turned into what looked uh, looked like a full-on seizure. So Alex had gone somewhere. We didn't know where at the time. Russell and I were trying to help Danae, and she actually, like, spit started coming out of her mouth as she was shaking. And so we laid her on the floor, put her on her side in case she was having a seizure. We didn't want her to choke or anything. Russell and I, we, I think I called 911, and Russell actually got out a traditional pipe that he has. He's also Native American. Actually, all of them are Native American. And he started trying to, well, I don't really know what he was trying to do, but he was smoking a traditional pipe and praying. And he was burning sage at the same time. We were waiting for the ambulance to get there. And I just remember sitting on the living room floor with this 15-year-old girl having a seizure, hoping to God that she didn't die in front of me. The EMTs got there. It took 45 minutes for them to go about 11 miles and get there. And I remember the EMTs, they're banging on the door. We let them in. They run up to her. They immediately start, like, cutting her shirt off, you know, checking her vitals, one of them was screaming at me, like, was she smoking? Was she drinking? What drugs did she take? And I just told them, like, she didn't do anything. She wasn't drinking. She wasn't on any drugs. The only thing she smokes is cigarettes. Like, there's no reason for her to be having a seizure. They gave her some sort of shot. I think it's a shot that they give people having seizures, people with epilepsy. And they took her and... They allowed one person in the ambulance and Cece went with because they were best friends. Cece and Danae were best friends. Mm -hmm. And I was to go and get them after the doctors were done. So the ambulance left. Danae had stopped seizing, but she was still really out of it. Like She wasn't conscious. She wasn't talking. Her eyes weren't open. I think they were maybe only there for a matter of like 10, 15 minutes. And it was just a whirlwind. So while we were waiting, Russell, you know, kept trying to sage the house and cleanse the house. Alex came out of the bathroom that was off the kitchen. On the upper level, it was the living room, the kitchen, and the half bathroom. Alex came out, and he was pale. Like, he looked like a 
white sheet. And I asked him, I was like, what was going on? Where did you go? Like, Danae had a seizure. What happened to you? And he said that he was in the bathroom and he was looking in the mirror and his reflection that looked like him was talking to him and telling him to hurt himself, telling him to go to the kitchen stove, turn on the burners and burn his arms. It told him to kill himself. It told him to kill us. So Alex just stood in there, I guess, and told this thing no, um, this thing that looked like him, and came out terrified. He seemed pretty normal other than just shaken up like the rest of us were. And I finally got the call to go get the girls from the hospital. And I got there, and doctors did all sorts of tests. Nothing came back abnormal. There was no reason for her to have had a seizure. The doctors couldn't figure out what happened. I think they even did a scan of her brain, and it was totally normal. They couldn't explain why she seized and basically almost died. So I took the girls back to the house and dropped him off. And I was like, I'm going home. This is too much. You know, go get some sleep. Just rest. The next day, I got a phone call from Russell saying, you need to come out here. You left your Ouija board. You need to get this thing out of the house. And I was like, what's going on? What's happening? And Russell said, there's something in the house that's trying to hurt us. You need to come get this thing out of here. So I kept trying to get more information out of him and see what was really going on because it was just super vague. It didn't make any sense. And the phone kept cutting out. And from what I know, I guess, my little knowledge of, you know, entities and stuff like that is they can affect electronics. Mm -hmm. So we'd be talking and the phone would cut out and both of us had perfectly good signal. Like we weren't in somewhere super rural. So I'd call back, and sometimes he'd answer, and it, the f- call would go through for just a couple of seconds and then cut out. Sometimes I'd call back, and it sounded like almost like his phone was in his pocket, and I could hear voices whispering. But like if he was in a row of people talking, you would have heard them a little more clearly. It, these were just kind of like whispers on the other end of the phone. I'd be like, hello, hello, are you there? Are you there? And it almost sounded like a chuckle, like something was laughing, and then it hung up on me. I called back a couple of times. I kept got the, getting the whispers. And finally, I got the whispers, and I was like, you need to stop this. You need to let me talk to my friend. You don't have any power here. Let me speak to my friend. And the phone hung up again. So I called back one more time and Russell answered and I was like, hey, I've been calling you over and over and over. And he's like, my phone didn't ring. My phone was in my hand. It didn't ring a single time. So I don't know what was answering those phone calls, but it wasn't him. Wow. So could, could um, you hear like him in the background and the whispering or do you just heard the whispering? <clears throat> I could hear him in the background talking to people mm-hmm. and then like like whispering like right in the phone. Okay, so the whispers were close to the phone and yeah, 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 like I could hear people like voices that I recognized from far away basically on the phone 
And the whispers were, you know, up front and center, basically, Mm -hmm. like they had the phone to their mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, And talking to him, I heard this really weird voice. It sounded like a like an old man, like a really deep kind of gravelly voice. And I was like, what the heck? Who is there? I've never heard that voice before. And Russell told me that the voice was coming from Danae. And that the voice was telling them that the father and son were in the house and that they weren't leaving. Nobody knew who the father and son were at all. It was creepy. So I have a friend that I've known for a long time that has practiced shamanism most of his life. You know, I had kind of talked to him about like magic and stuff like that and how to deal with entities in the past because I've always been interested in it. And I called him and I was like, hey, so we used a Ouija board. Now some crazy crap's going down. What do we do? He managed to get into a, I've got a, like a conference call going mm-hmm. between Russell, myself, and my friend Emilio who was the one that had practiced shamanism. And he told Russell how to close a portal. And it was to break the Ouija board into four pieces and burn a candle over the board to seal the portal shut. Russell set out to do that. I hopped in my car and flew out there as fast as I could. When I got there, the Ouija board was gone. I, I didn't know where it was. And Danae looked like she'd been put through the ringer. She just looked kind of like like she had the flu. It was weird. And everybody was obviously very shaken up. And there was a candle, a red candle on the table, but there was black candle wax dripped down the side of it and on the table. I asked what had happened. Where's the Ouija board? What did you do? Is everything Okay. And they said they did what Emilio had told them, broke the board into four pieces, melted the candle over the over the board, and poured the wax on it. When the wax hit the board, it turned black. And there was actually black drips of candle wax down the side of this red candle. So I guess after that, they told me they drove down the street and they threw it in the lake. You know, they didn't want it in the house, even if the portal was closed. So... I mean, there wasn't really much else I could do. Everything had really calmed down. There wasn't anything else going on. So I don't know. We I think we just talked about what happened. They filled me in and just kind of went on with our day. Like it didn't happen really. I stopped going over there after that. I think, I think part of me thinks that they kind of blamed me for what happened because it was my Ouija board mm-hmm. and and all of the really weird stuff like a grown man voice talking about spirits being in the house was coming out of a 15 year old girl. Right. Right. Um, but we all kind of like fell out of friendship after that, like the whole group kind of dispersed. And I don't know if there was anything else that ever happened in the house. I don't know whatever became of really any of them. I never really saw them after that. Hmm. So that can be the unfortunate side effect sometimes of stuff like this when it really shakes people up and, you know, sometimes it draws people together because they have the shared experience and sometimes it just, it just shatters friendships because, you know, it's, it's something pretty dramatic and 
freaky and powerful that you go through. Um, yeah. You mind if I ask some questions? No, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> There's probably stuff I need my memory jogged on. <laughs> was it Josh who had the handprint on him? Yeah. Yep. And I did go look on my computer and I do have some pictures of like the finger marks down his arm. Oh, um, wow. From that. Yeah. Like bright red. It looked like somebody almost burned him. Are those shareable if you edit his face out or anything? Uh, yeah, his face actually isn't even in the picture. They're really crappy cell phone pictures, but I can send them to you. <laughs> Did Josh have any lasting effect from that handprint or, you know, how long did it stay um, there? Did it do you have numbness or anything in his arm afterwards? Or um, Actually, it all pretty much stopped after Moose prayed over him at the house. Josh's hand went totally back to normal. And I guess we never really thought to look to see how long the handprint lasted on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. But he said after that, his arm was fine. There was nothing weird. When you went out to see the Paulding light, did you ever see the light, either at that visit or any of the other visits? You mean? I've Yeah, I've been up there at least a dozen times because it's only about an hour from where we live. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, hey, it's late at night. Let's go to the Paulding light for something to do kind right. of thing. So sure. we, yeah. we all go pretty much a lot as you're in high school and stuff. I've seen it plenty of times. That time we did not see it. I just was seeing the shadows on the right side of the of the path when you're looking towards where the light would be. But there were times that I actually saw it. It came kind of down to the ravine. And there was one time it actually showed up behind us. On oh, wow. the, yeah, and it was like on my friend's, like just off the corner of my friend's tailgate of his truck. I looked in the mirror, the side mirror, and saw it behind us. And I was like, hmm, maybe we should leave. <laughs> huh. So... When it appears, I've seen some pictures of it online and stuff, but uh, I don't know if you've seen the same ones. Is there any color to it? I've seen white and I've seen green while I was up there. And uh, roughly about, you know, the size. I'm, I'm When it's far away, I'm sure it's hard to tell, but maybe when it, the one was closer. Um, It kind of, oh, let me think, maybe only a couple of feet across while it's closer because it's just like this little pinpoint of a light almost like a stoplight from far away mm -hmm. um when it's on the far side like the far hill mm -hmm. and as you get closer it couldn't have been more than five feet but when it was on my friend's tailgate it was maybe only like two feet like it wasn't huge it was just kind of chilling right off the end of his rear bumper at wow. the back of the truck wow and does it kind of float along or does it is it usually still it kind of floats like um, as it comes forward, it does a little bit of like a left to right jaunt, not like a crazy sway or anything, mm -hmm. almost like if you were walking and holding a lantern and it wiggles just a little bit so you can see it move a little. And I've heard that, you know, people have tried to debunk this with cars going down the road alongside it, but there's no headlights that are visible through those trees. The trees are too thick. Yeah, that's the standard debunking of any mystery light, that you're mm -hmm. seeing cars from a, a long way away. And sometimes it's true, but a lot of times it just it just can't explain it. It's, and it certainly can't explain it when it shows up behind you. Yeah, yeah. And it was weird because that time we were up there and we couldn't find it in front of us. And I just happened to look in the mirror because I saw a light kind of show up in the 
side mirror and there it was. Wow. And there there was another time I had actually gone up with my boyfriend and my little sister and we went on the other side of the ravine and we kind of came out on this I think it's a logging road. I don't think you're even supposed to be on there. <laughs> and we walked around like where the light should be and we didn't see it at all. Like it, you apparently can't see it if you get too close to it. It's got to come to you. I have heard that. There's a fellow named Jeff Ritzman who's on Where Did the Road Go a lot, and he was telling me, I was talking to him about the lights I saw at that place we call Site 7 and how we were talking about positioning someone out where we saw him. And he had said he had done that. He, he had an area where they were seeing strange lights, and they had done that, and they could actually see them. You know, some people stayed at a distance and there were people out by the lights who couldn't see them. They're on walkie talkies saying like, no, they're right above you. They're right like, like, and they, the people who were out beside them could not see them at all. But the people who were in the, you know, the usual position or whatever, however you would put it, they could still see them. Yeah, I've heard that of the Paulding light too. I've had friends kind of do the same experiment of like, you know, send somebody down across the ravine and somebody stay behind the guardrail. And they see the light, but the people across the ravine don't. And it's like right above them. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. So the only thing that like was also kind of weird was when we were up there, when I was up there with Josh and Moose, when Moose was waiting to get in the car, he walked on the other side of the guardrail and kind of took a couple steps toward the downhill slope to the stream. And he stood there for a minute and... You know, Josh finally yelled at him. He's like, get in the car. And he turned around and came back. And I later was talking to him about it. And he said that while he was standing there, he was looking down at the stream. And there was a silver doe standing in the stream, almost like a spectral deer, I guess. And it's I've kind of had this feeling my whole life that I've been very close to spirits and been able to kind of know when they're around and connect to them. I've had people tell me that I'm a conduit for spiritual activity, but I've never been hurt by it, but I've seen other people hurt by it. I've seen a total of three people, uh, another one outside of the stories I just told you that have gotten hurt by spirits while I was around. Hmm. And Moose had told me that when he was passed out, I think in the car or at his house after he was praying over Josh, he was told by the great spirit that there is someone watching me, taking care of me and making sure I don't get hurt by these entities. And it's my personal belief that that is the spirit of my grandfather. I was really close to him. He passed away when I was little and I've always kind of felt his presence around me, especially when I was going through you know, him having passed away at such a young age, I would sit in my room and talk to him and I could actually feel someone sit down next to me on my bed and put their arm around me and hug me. And so I've always believed that my grandfather is making sure that I stay safe and I don't get hurt and just kind of like a guardian angel if you believe in them. Yeah, well, I mean, from your story, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you know I've only just heard it tonight, but it seemed like, in a way, like this this stuff was kind of happening to everyone around you in this house. Yeah, and, and not you, right? Yeah, is, is that that's exactly assessment? it. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's funny because I was, I'm the biggest believer and, you know, one that argues for the existence of the, the supernatural and the existence of ghosts and spirits and stuff like that. And I do believe in demons. I don't know if I believe in angels. I know I've seen demons. I have not seen angels. So I firmly believe it. And, you know, I tell people about it and they're like, oh, whatever, you're crazy. Ghosts aren't real. I'm like, well, if you've seen what I've seen, you'd believe too, because there's no way that that just was naturally occurring. Yeah, there's some very, very heavy stuff. You know, you wonder what the combination is. Like, if you talk about, like we often talk about on the show and, and Where Did the Road Go, about liminal states, you know, these kind of in-between areas, a whole house occupied by teenagers, essentially, where someone's aunt just died. I mean, I cannot mm-hmm. think of a much more liminal space than that. That is a crazy changing place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's you know, that's just full of liminality. Do you know if CeCe ever developed a heart issue? I know you said you kind of lost touch with them. Um, we did find out kind of like towards the end before things got really weird. She had to go to the doctor for something and she did have a heart issue. I don't remember what it was, but they were concerned. Like her heart was weaker than it was supposed to be. So, so that was a correct prediction on the case of, uh, of uh, the ant. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or the so I should say the spirit it, of the ant. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. Kimmy was there for sure, and I I never felt like she was a bad spirit. Like I've gone into places that have been haunted, and you know you can feel like a good energy or a bad energy, and usually if there's a bad energy, I leave. I don't want to be there. I don't want to risk it. I know there's too many variables that can happen that are out of my physical control. Mm-hmm. But Kimmy, it, she always felt like a kind of like a warm sort of loving entity being there. And so when after the Halloween and the Paulding light, when that sort of shifted in the house and the feeling in the house got kind of like tense and like stressed out, and that was when Kimmy started telling us about the bad man being in the house. It made sense that the feeling of the house had shifted from, you know, caring and loving to stressful and almost volatile. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is uh, really creepy, especially well, the incident where uh, Cece had passed out in her room. That whole sequence there is so intense. The two of you laying on her body when she was, you know, being lifted up or levitated or however you want to put it, it was basically lifting all three of you up. Yeah, yeah, all three of us were being lifted off of the floor. Well, Alex and I were on the floor and Cece was on the bed. I'd say she probably came off the bed about 8 to 10 inches. So, again, you know, putting on the, the skeptic's hat that does not fit. If she was pushing herself up in some way, she would have had to have enough strength to push you and Alex up at the same time. Yeah, and she would have had to have her hands on something to brace herself. Mm-hmm. Which her, when she was asleep, her torso was kind of off the edge of the bed, and her hand, she was actually writing on the floor. So she was like, imagine she was laying on her back but she was kind of hunched off the side of the bed. 
So she, she wasn't pushing off of the floor because we would have seen that while she was writing. Right. And her legs were straight out. And her legs remained straight out because I was on top of them while she lifted off the bed. Wow, that is creepy, though. It was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. And I've kind of stayed away from anything supernatural ever since then. I think it scared me kind of, I wouldn't say scared me straight because it's not straight to be away from the paranormal, but it just scared me enough to kind of ease back on my infatuation and curiosity because I really saw that things can go bad. Yeah, that'll do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it has uh, these similar elements to these these other you know kind of stories. It's it's not the same. You know, that's that's what I like about these stories. You hear these like similar elements to these different hauntings or poltergeist, you know, whatever you want to call it, that are similar. That sort of check the same boxes, but they're not the exact same story. It's not like you know you're telling the same story that you know I've read five other places or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, then that's what's really really interesting to me about them. When you had the phone call and you heard the whispers, were you able to make out any of the any of what they were saying, or did it seem like a different language, or they it was far too far away to understand, or anything like that? You mean like my friends in the background, or the whispers? The they whispers were that weren't your friends. I could not make out what they were saying. All I could really tell, like discern what it was, was when it sort of laughed and hung up on me. Mm -hmm. It didn't sound like another language but I couldn't tell what it was saying. Okay. And Almost like it was just too quiet and I could just barely make out the whisper in the microphone. Like that was coming through the earpiece. Uh -huh. Did your friends in the background seem like they were having like a normal conversation or, you know, whatever conversation they would have been having normally? <laughs> no, they, they sounded terrified. Oh, really? Yeah. And there was another friend there that had not been there for any of the other experiences and he didn't know what was going on. And I can remember I heard him in the background, like, what's going on? What's wrong with Danae? You know, what happened here? Because I think he was dating her at the time. And so his girlfriend sounded like a man. Wow. And, and I mean, everyone sounded very scared. And I just, the voice in the background that was coming out of her. When Russell told me that the voice was coming from Danae, I got chills all over my body and I went a little bit dizzy. And I just thought to myself, what have I done? Like, what did I open up in their house? And I was really afraid that I was the cause of my friends getting hurt because of what I'd been told about being a conduit for spiritual energy. I was like, I don't, want anybody to get hurt because I let something in not knowing. Right. Yeah. And and we talked a little bit about this in the email about the Ouija board itself. You know, I'm not one of these people who thinks, you know, if you bring a Ouija board into your house, you're just opening the gates of hell. That said, I think any of these things, anytime you're messing with the other, you know, it doesn't matter what tool you're using. It can go sideways on you. And a, a Ouija board is just one of these other tools it can go sideways. It certainly can go sideways. And I think, I think it goes sideways often enough where people say, Oh, it must've been the Ouija board where it could have been any, any other form of contact too. It could have been automatic writing. It could have been a pendulum. It could have been anything else that, that goes sideways because the stuff often goes sideways. 
But, yeah, I mean, I've got two Ouija boards in my house that date back to, I think, the 40s. Mm-hmm. And I've had them for the last four or five years. I haven't had a single strange thing happen to me. So yeah. I don't believe that just their existence causes weird stuff to happen. I think that they are able to be used by both the living and the whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. spirits. And I think that, you know, just because you think you're talking to someone and you think you know who you're talking to, you can't trust it because spirits can lie just as easily as people can. Yep. I always, and, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just absolutely. much easier because all you're doing is watching letters spell out words on a board. You don't see what's behind that movement. You yeah. don't know their intention. Yeah, and sometimes they, we've talked about this, I think I, I talked about this with Ren, who often appears on Where Did the Road Go? And uh, we were talking about it, and we were saying, like, sometimes they might not even be intentionally lying. They might be giving the best information they know, which still turns out not to be true. These Just because they're spirits or whatever you want to call them doesn't mean they're omnipotent. You know, they don't, they don't don't know everything. They might just be giving the best information. It turns out not to be true. There are others that are probably outright lying or just trying to give you an answer to please you or to keep the contact going. There's any number of reasons why the information might be false. And sometimes they're right. There are a lot of psychics who can give a lot of great information and be right a lot of the times, but nobody's right 100% of the time. And that's what I often point to uh, the Mothman prophecies. In the mm. predictions they were getting in that book, a lot of them were correct, and they were correct enough where they were really paying attention to what was going on. But a lot of them didn't come true, where they'd be off just you know just a little bit. It's enough to say you know just don't take anything as absolute truth that comes from the other, whatever it is, spirits. You know, people think maybe you're contacting like your inner self or something, and and that's fine too. I find that just as interesting as spirit contact but even that you know you can't you know whatever the information is provided it's not it's you can't just rely on it you can't trust it yeah it's too hard to trust what you can't see there Mm -hmm. you know and we don't know what the motivations may be for that uh whatever that is but but yeah that's, that's such an interesting story well thanks yeah thank you so much for sharing it sarah yeah, and um, if you ever want to hear any of my other stories, just let me know. I've got little ones. I've got another fairly creepy one. I've just, I guess it took me until seeing someone levitate that I decided to stay away. But, I mean, I always grew up with hearing about spirits. My dad lived in a haunted house. My mom took me cemetery hopping and, you know, went to one of the local haunted houses up here and, you know, it's been a part of my life and my parents' life forever. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I'd love to hear them. Sarah, once again, thank you for sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on and believing my crazy stories. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next week's episode, I believe, is going to be a swap cast with Conspiranormal. I'll be hanging out with the guys from Conspiranormal, and we will have a shared show. It'll be on both of our feeds. So you'll be able to hear the Strange Familiars version here and the Conspiranormal version there. I think it will be an early release as well. Conspiranormal usually releases their episodes on Sunday night, and I'm going to try to release it at the same time. 
We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group, and we are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.